Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We are live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio here in Las Vegas. And by the way, gotta let you know... It's your time to buy or sell a home, and the Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. We all get it. The housing market is extremely hectic right now, but it's still a great time to sell or even buy the home of your dreams. You'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done, and they've got you at the Realty One Group. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know all the ins and outs. They know they can do this for you. Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas. And it's been their home here for more than 11 years. In that time, they've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives, literally. They are also proud to give back to the local community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. So whether you're selling or buying a home, call them today at the Realty One Group at 888-461-0101. Got a chance to talk today to Hunter Renfro, um, and always interesting to talk uh, to Mr. Renfro, uh, who just keeps getting better and better and better, and is due and in line uh, for a new contract. I would expect something on on that front fairly soon. Uh, and here's Hunter Renfro talking about the offseason. He's so creative, um, and I alluded to earlier, he's so explosive. I think that's when he puts his foot in the ground, it's tough to to deal with him. Um, and he's got, got a great imagination. He he knows, you know, what the defense is trying to do to take him away, and so he'll counter that with certain things. And, you know, it doesn't matter if he's double or triple teamed, he'll get open a lot of times. And so um, it's been fun just to, to be with him. A lot. Um, I think just <laughs> – this is the first time in four years we've had a new offense, right? And so there's just a lot of verbiage, a lot of, you know, processing what we're trying to accomplish on offense. Um, I think Coach McDaniels, Coach Lombardi, and, you know, EB, and just all the offensive staff has come in and done a good job of, you know, we're not just going to run plays for no reason. We're going to have a, a good idea why we're running those plays. We're going to do it to attack the defense, what they're trying to take away from us. And so, um, you know, it's, it's one, getting used to them. Um, and two, you know, this is part of the off season where you start visualizing the season and, you know, you're not out there just running plays, um, to run them. You're running plays cause you're going to have, have a, you know, we're installing an offense, but we're also, you know, for me personally, I'm visualizing how I'm running that, you know, in Kansas city or in wherever we got to play, um, and trying to play those games within my mind. That was Hunter Renfro, uh, Raiders' fourth-year wide receiver, uh, talking about his craft, talking about Devontae Adams, excuse me, talking about uh, the Raiders implementing a new offense, his first new offense since joining the NFL. I thought Hunter brought up something pretty interesting as well earlier today uh, over in Henderson, and that was how process-oriented uh, this coaching staff is, and you know, not everyone rolls a little bit differently. Um, and you know, not to not to take anything away from anyone else uh, that that was here uh, prior to, uh, but Hunter Renfro talked about 
um, some of the elements of this coaching staff, the teaching elements and the process elements, uh, and and sort of harken back to his days in college uh, at Clemson and how it felt a little bit more uh, like that. Um, I've been a strong proponent. You guys know this. I've talked about it so many times about the teaching element, uh, about being able to not just communicate, not just tell people what to do, but explain to people what they have to do, why they have to do it, why this is going to work, how this fits into the whole scheme of things. Um, and and I feel like, again, when you look at this Raiders staff, uh, there is a strong teaching component to it. Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive uh, line coach, um, comes from a teaching background. His parents, I think both parents, or at least his mom, uh, was a teacher. When I talk about my days covering the Rams, um, a lot of the coaches there had teaching backgrounds, like master's degrees in education. It's extremely important, and I'll tell you why. Um, more and more coaches and teams have less and less time with their players. It's just the nature of how things have changed over the years. There's no more three practices a day. You know, there's no more uh, where you can um, just have access uh, to your players during the offseason as much as you want. Uh, there's rules and regulations now, how long you could be on the field, how long you could keep uh, your players uh, in the building during the offseason, you know, uh, rules for that, rules for this. And I get it, and I understand it. And uh, I give, you know, the Players Union uh, all the credit in the world for keeping an eye on things and making sure uh, it's not overloaded and players aren't, you know, being, being just run into the ground uh, and that they have – their time as well in the off season and even during the season, not just mentally, but also physically. It's a physical sport. You want to be able to make sure uh, that you're taking care of the players. That's the game. The players are the game. But saying that to say this, because of that, it's more imperative than ever the teaching element of things because you don't have them as much as you used to have them, uh, whether it's in the building or out on the field, it puts a premium on expediting a lot of the process. You have to be able to explain it in a way that is easy to absorb or easier to absorb. And we're talking about complicated stuff. I know that it's sports, it's football, it's a kid's game, it's this and that. Um, there's some complicated stuff that they're going over. And that's the same for the NBA, too. I know it looks like they're just running around. It's just ludicrous to think that that's all they're doing out there. There's sets upon sets upon sets uh, in, in the NBA and here in the NFL. There's all kinds of different things that are going on uh, that, that you're just we're, we're just completely unaware of. Uh, and it takes time to implement that stuff. Hearing Carmen Brasillo talk today about, you know, you're starting to see um, – players doing things with a little bit more uh, confidence because now you're it's the third fourth time around them hearing it uh, them digesting it them now taking it to the practice field uh, but again it all starts with a teaching element you're nothing if you can't relay the message and uh, get the concept across to your players and it's and it's even more pronounced now again because of the time uh, constraints but also because you know, what we're learning more and more in life, in life, not just football, but everybody absorbs information just a little bit differently. We've talked about this before where some people need to see it up on the, on the, on the whiteboard. Some people need to see it video, visually. Some people just need to hear it. 
Some people need to, let's go out on the field. I'll walk you through it to, to actually visually see it. It was interesting hearing Hunter Renfro talk about that today, how, you know, when he's running his routes, he's not just running a route against his opponent on, you know, Nate Hobbs, let's say, uh, or Rock Yassin. In his mind, Damon, he's visualizing himself running it, you know, uh, against J.C. Jackson from the from the Chargers or whoever the cornerback is uh, in Kansas City. That was kind of cool to hear him talk about that. Oh, no, it definitely was. And it puts you in that mindset that even though you're working here in June, that the regular season is what it's all about. Even Chandler Jones, he mentioned it. Like, you know, don't not wanting to be your best, basically is what he's saying, like here in June. Right. So right. putting in that work. So it's it's that's fun to hear because it's like, hey, you're lining up against Nate Hobbs, but I've got to think about that Nate Hobbs is really trying to destroy me right now, and we're not just working to get better in practice. You're lining up from him. It's like, no, I need to get him. And we've seen, hey, remember that those that scrimmage in L.A., those group practices? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was putting the business on Jalen Ramsey because he's practicing like he plays all the time. Right, exactly. Uh, gosh, I still remember, man, people just roasting Jalen Ramsey uh, on that. I there's still some context involved in all that. You know, they they were working. He's not a slot. He's not a slot corner, and he's you know just trying to try out some stuff new. That's right, exactly. Score. I don't care. He was mad the next day. <laughs> made some made some plays the next day, um, and then somebody asked you know somebody asked Hunter about that you know, and it kind of got it sort of got misconstrued to what he said. And, uh, you know, so uh, anyway. I was cooking them all. Practice. I was cooking, them. <laughs> I was cooking uh, Jalen. Uh, Jalen is I, it was one of the more interesting dudes uh, that I got a chance to cover. But I loved it. I really did. Uh, he was, you know, there's 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 players. And especially when you had locker room access and you had to go walk up to somebody and say, hey, do you got a couple of minutes and like, you know, talk to him. And they're like sizing you up and you're like, you know, you got that. But you better bring it. You know what I'm saying? Don't ask some stupid questions. And I'm not like I'm pointing a finger at you. I'm not saying you in well, general. Well, I don't talk to the player, so. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not you. But you know what? I, I'm going to sit here and say you hear some dumb questions. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's I'm, I'm, I'm being straight up serious. Like I, 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 I see it sometimes, and it's just it's cringeworthy. You know what I'm saying? Like put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Hey, real quick, though, speaking about media attention and coverage. Yeah. Mike Trout was more famous has been more famous. I've never seen more mics and phones in Mike Trout's face about his fantasy football league commissioning skills as opposed to, hey, you're, you're a generational talent. Now We've never seen a player like you like this century. Greg, but we got it. We want to talk to you more now than yes. we have in your 10-year career. And granted, it's just Mike Trout's luck. As luck would have it, look at where they are. They're in New York. <laughs> they're they're playing the Yankees in New York. So all of this is landing at his feet. By the way, he's from New York too. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you go home and you want to talk about baseball, and dudes are talking about you're the commissioner of the league. What exactly happened? Like you're getting grilled over some fantasy football league uh group chat. It's just it's 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 almost too good to be true. Like this can't be true. Like, there's got to be something deeper to this, Devon. Because I don't know if you've seen the video. It just made me think my my head immediately went there when you said, oh, media access, having the access to these guys. I have never seen a Mike Trout just, you know, scrum before a game or after <laughs> right. a game. But I doubt he's ever had this much attention. In t- especially, you know, being asked the questions that he's being asked. Because this has grown now from a sports story to, you know, you got you got people that aren't even sports fans that are tuning in uh, to see what's going on uh, with all this. But I do have to say, 
you know, fantasy football and all that, it's huge in Major League Baseball clubhouses, and they take it very seriously. I don't know if you know Zach Greinke. Uh, he's oh, of course. A, yeah, veteran pitcher. Uh, when he was with the Dodgers, I would talk to his Dodger teammates, and he was like a master at this. Like he's literally a guy that's going to be a GM at one point. Like for probably for baseball, he's very in tune. He's kind of a quirky dude, but he's also just a very studious dude. And he's all quiet and everything like that. But if, if you talk to his teammates, you know they'll be like, he won't say anything, and all of a sudden he drops like some trade proposal out of like where did you come up with that you know like and he always wins the league too he's really shrewd and good at that but you know and and we we talked about this Devon baseball is a mundane it's a slow sport it's not just forget the sport itself i'm talking about the days it is a same you know what different day proposition every day you're at the ballpark at about 2:30 you're doing your stretching. You're doing. It's just like a hole to play the next game, and it's day after day after day. You're talking about 162 games over the course of however however many months. It's just a, a, a like there's so much sitting around and not playing that you know you have to occupy your time somehow. There's people play crossword puzzles. People play poker. There's definitely poker. There's dominoes in the in a, in a clubhouse. There's all sorts of different ways that you pass your time. But I can see now why fantasy football is so big because you have time to kind of like study it all. All right, Vinny, you just gave me an idea for a movie. And since you gave me the inspiration, we can go half on it when we sell it. Okay, let's go. Have me, hit me up. Someone gets to become an NFL general manager based on how good they are as a fantasy player. Well, you know, it's very interesting that you uh, point that out because... I wrote a script. You know, I, I, I've written a couple of scripts, but one was the. Here's the story. Let me let me tell. You. All right, I'm listening. All right, uh, uh, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. This was you know a few years ago when they were hapless. The owner of the Los Angeles Clippers not only is the owner of the worst team in the NBA, but he's also got a hell of a bad gambling uh, uh, problem. Okay, and to the point where he owes some really bad people. A whole lot of money and can't pay it off. All right. So the mob sends their problem solver, Vinny, by the way, to Los Angeles to, you got to pay or something bad is going to happen. But Vinny, who is a, what you just say, like a wannabe kind of GM kind of a guy, yes. says to the says to the owner, Rusty, by the way, Rusty, what if I told you I can solve your problem, keep you alive, and maybe even save your team for you? What do I got to do? I'm the I'm the new general manager of your team. That's the story, and they end up, you know, doing. It's kind of a get shorty. I was type just of thing. about to say but that, it's, but there were there were so many funny. Like this was pretty. It was it was really funny. It was a kind of a get shorty, um, and and you know they, they get every. Then there's also there's there's a but there were a bunch of other layers to it because there was somebody that um, did not want this to happen and all that kind of stuff. And there was there was a lot of that going on. But yeah. That was that's that was the script, and so um, it was it was it was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, I don't even know what we were talking about. Hunter Renfro, <laughs> Hunter. We were talking about Hunter Renfro. We got to the no, we were talking about Mike Trout. We were talking. <laughs> but it started because we were talking yes. about having the media access and the availability yes. because of what Hunter Renfro said today. Right, exactly. That somehow that got to Mike Trout, because, and we're back, and we we got to Mike Trout because of the the fantasy football league fiasco, uh, which. Proves my point that there's nothing like, um, you know, fantasy football league. I can't wait to to, to run up to somebody uh, in the Raiders locker room and ask them about their fantasy baseball team. I guess. I mean, I guess that would be the uh, the equivalent for an NFL. You don't think that 
NFL players are playing fantasy. Yeah, they probably are. I don't, know who, I don't know who's playing fantasy baseball. It's too much to keep up with. Every time I get invited to a league, I'm like, no, you guys can have it. I would be four days in and I'd be like, oh, haven't changed it. I know you could probably like auto set it or whatever. Yeah. But I just forget about my team. You know, I would, I'd be drafting and after like the 30 players that I know off the top of my head, I'd be like, who's this guy? Right. All right. What's going on? Well, um, Todd Gurley was always cognizant of the fantasy football world because, you know, when you don't do what you're supposed to do, you get it. You get heck, you get heckled on social media like, we need you to do this. We need you to do that. And so he would always a- answer questions like, hey, sorry, fantasy football people, you know, that I wasn't able to do this. But anyway, one day in the locker room, uh, he and Aaron Donald were having a discussion. I'll ask you the question that he asked Aaron Donald. What would your perfect game be if you're a running back? And I think Aaron Donald actually asked Todd Gurley the question, running for 250 yards or scoring four touchdowns, what what would you, as a running back, what would you rather do? Does the, ooh. Just, 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 first of all, I, just answer the question. Four touchdowns. Oh, okay. All right. Because <laughs> Aaron, Aaron was like, I thought, because that's what Todd Gurley said. I, I'd rather score four touchdowns because it's, the game is about scoring points. And Todd, you know, Todd Gurley was like, Oh man, I thought that you know. I figured you'd want to run for 250 yards because that's a a nice individual game. But but Todd Gurley was like, yeah, kinda. But more importantly, it's scoring points. So I gave Todd Gurley credit for he didn't have to. He wasn't playing it up to anybody. He was just they were just shooting the you know what in the locker room one day, uh, and he came up with that answer. So yeah, four touchdowns. There was a there was a point in time where Gurley was probably. I guess it would have been 2018, 2017, 2018, where he was probably a pretty darn good uh, uh, value in terms of um, in, in terms of fantasy football. I'm not a big fantasy football guy, so I don't know how they credited uh, the type of things that running backs do. But I would imagine between his scoring, he did score a lot of touchdowns, uh, and and the production in terms of the run game. Um, and pass game, really, for that matter, probably made him a pretty valuable asset. But uh, but yeah, he said, Doug, I'd rather I'd rather score uh, a bunch of points. I mean, if you talk to Ricky Henderson, I think he had I think he scored the most runs in the in in baseball, and he said I'd take that stat over anything. You know, score that scoring runs is the name of the game. You don't win by not scoring runs or scoring touchdowns. You win by scoring points. So uh, kind of an interesting question, and I'm sure our fantasy football uh, listeners will might have a different you know uh, say on things or a different uh, feeling on things. But um, go ahead. Also, if you um if a running back ran for 250 yards, right, he'd be on the outside looking into the top 10 at 11. You know, underneath I want to say Doug Martin. But if you run for four touchdowns, you'd be tied for third with a whole bunch of people. The record is six, set by Alvin Kamara. So so touchdowns were more important. Yes, touchdowns are more are more important, but more people have had four touchdown games than two hundred. Exactly. So it's the rarity of r- I, rushing yes, for two hundred and fifty yards. And I think, and I think that that's where Aaron Donald, you know, he was just thinking about it from that perspective. The individual, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of guys, like I mentioned his name, like when you were talking about name their the um, Patriots running back, I said Jonas Gray because right. he had that big oh, game. I remember that? Yeah. He had four rushing touchdowns, and he was cut like two weeks later because he overslept for practice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Former Notre Dame guy, by the way. Um, yeah, so uh, so it's 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 interesting looking at you know stats. No, I remember one time because there's there's you know so many different analytics, uh, especially in baseball. And uh, I asked a couple of batters like, "Are you even thinking about line drive? You know the 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 speed that the ball is coming off your bat, your line by, drive percentage, all these different things that are now um, in in vogue in terms of assessing players." 
And uh, are you thinking about those things? And um, uh, I remember I had um, Harrison. His name was Harrison. Uh, played for the Dodgers. I'll come up with his, his first name in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes. But he said, man, he's like, there's just way too much. I can't be thinking about all. It's hard enough going into a batter's box uh, and, pitch, and, and facing a major league pitcher with all of that weighing on your head. Um, and so he said, basically, for me, if I square up and hit the ball hard four times, I don't even care if they're outs. If I square up and hit the ball hard four times in a game, I'm good. I felt like I had a pretty good day because that's what, you know, eventually those hard hit balls are going to land for base hits um, or go out of the ballpark or whatever the case might be. He goes, so that's how I would assess. I can't think about line drive percentage and war and this and that. It's just too dang complicated to be thinking about stuff like that. Now, he did say if I were in the front office – Making the assessment on who to sign, of course I'd have to be looking at that type of stuff. That's how you gauge a player. But the players themselves can't really be thinking about those things, uh, you know, uh, overly thinking about those type of things because it's already hard enough. You don't want to cloud yourself uh, with all that kind of information. So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a fine line between the people that actually do it. And the people that actually kind of watch it, and even really the, the the people that put teams together too, they have to look at things a whole lot differently than the guys that are actually and women that are actually doing it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I think, honestly, it's just as competitive. Like, I got the, I got the amazing opportunity to play with um, last year with Casey Hayward, guys like Casey Hayward, Brandon Faison, um, a, lot of, a lot of good players. And I think... Same dynamic. We just brought in a lot of guys who could play. Like we don't got a true star in the in the DB room, but everybody to me, everybody could play. Like it's gonna be a battle at every position. So Nate Hobbs, the Raiders' second-year cornerback, talking about the additions, the new additions uh, in that cornerback room. A lot of youth. It's youth, but it's also there's some there's some experience there. Anthony Averett, Rock Yassin, Darius uh, Phillips. These guys are going into their third, fourth years, um, you know, and and have 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 delivered a uh, a level of play uh, already in their careers. And you know, we'll see. And I, I give I give Nate uh, credit for you know, hey, there's not a quote unquote star uh, in that in that in that room right now. Although I think he has a chance to be a star. I know he's kind of a quiet, reserved uh, guy. But in terms of his play, he was the fifth-rated cornerback in the NFL last year, Devon Cotton. Fifth. (laughs) Nate Hobbs had himself a hell of a rookie year. And playing, Devon, at one of the more difficult positions in the NFL to master, especially early on, at the slot cornerback position. This fifth was this rating of all cornerbacks or just slot? All, Ooh. all. I think he was the highest rated slot cornerback too. Uh, now, granted, you know he's he's being asked to do things that you know differently than let's say a uh, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is typically going to go. Where's the best player on the team? I'm going to just go shut that dude out. 
But, and we've seen this with the Raiders and plenty of other teams too, um, even though that's not Nate Hobbs's role, his role as a slot cornerback and what he's asked to do in terms of, you know, being able to uh, uh, defend any number of wide receivers that are going to line up in the slot, whether it's your best wide receiver, a tight end, a scat back, a running back, you know, they put all sorts of different people uh, over there in the slot and be able to match up physically with any number of wide receiver or weapons that you're going to have to contend with. But then also where you're lined up puts you right in, um, our, not harm's way, but right, excuse me, right in the heart of a run game. Like you have to, you have to be a physical willing tackler too, because that's a part of the job. Uh, and he excelled at that. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I just, I am so fascinated by this dude cause he just came out of nowhere, quote unquote. Um, but from day one, he just looked like he belonged. And then, Every day we remember in the in, whether it was training camp making plays, then in and then in the preseason it was like there's Nate Hobbs again. Remember that Nate Hobbs with the sack, Nate Hobbs with the interception, and all of a sudden everyone's like, you know, Nate Hobbs can play some football. I mean, I hate to bring him up for a second time, but you remember the interception that he had during the Rams game, and Jalen Ramsey was mid-interview because you know it's preseason; they're just taking it. Oh, easy. Well, I never saw this. Oh well, so Jalen Ramsey, he's getting like one of those, you know, like hey, sideline thing. Yeah, exactly. He's not playing, you know, and he takes like the half a second pause of just like, man, who was that guy? <laughs> exactly. As Nate House makes a play, so that was like for me, it's like, oh, this guy's gonna be somebody. I love that <laughs> interception because he completely peeled off of his guy, like he made what they call. A football play. He's like, all right, that's not my responsibility, but I know where the heck the ball is going right here. He read it perfectly, then made a beeline. It, uh, you know, I know it was a preseason game. It was kind of a memorable interception. We're, we're sitting here. T- when was the last time you ever talked about an interception in the preseason? Right? A year later. <laughs> that's when I knew. <laughs> you know I said, put him in Canton. But y'all see. <laughs> Exactly. We also he, remember the sack he had. I think it was the uh, it might have been the first uh, preseason game of the year where he just it was like he got, it was like he was shot out of a cannon, you know. And he and he waylates and might have forced a fumble if I remember correctly. Is this the Seattle one? It was the, uh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. See if we can uh, if we can find that. So I don't even think they keep stats on preseason. Not games. stats, but the the video. I'm sure the <laughs> okay, video is okay. somewhere, but uh, which would be way more uh, uh, you know way way better. Uh, to look at, so I think the I think the Raiders. I'm not going to say he's a star, but he's got some star elements in terms of um, if he keeps at it, where he's you know how good he's going to be. Now he did open a little bit of a of a of a door here, uh, Demond. By the way, we were giving Cam <laughs> some uh, some gruff today. Uh, Cam, we know who we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so um, Q and I, we were talking to him about the whole safety fiasco thing. And uh, how that kind of uh, took a lot, took on a life of its own. We also, you know, Paul Gutierrez was responsible for it all because he t- tweeted out the the roster, the uh, OTA roster, and there was a typo, and Nate Hobbs was listed as a safety. And we were we were giving Cam uh, a little bit of grief because even even uh, Q said, "Man, I got a whole segment out of that <laughs> about <laughs> about uh, Nate Hobbs being a uh, potentially being a safety, even though he didn't. He was just being facetious, just trying to come to find out it's Cam's birthday today." Oh, see, you guys the you know, worst. And you know who saved the day? Take a guess. I, I don't, uh, Heidi. So, oh, okay. Wait, wait, no, it was Adam. 
sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I, it was Adam. Adam was a baseball guy here, guys. Adam heard us giving giving Cam grief, you know, and we were we were we were giving it to. Him. It was all good natured, you know, like thanks, Cam, you know, I, you know. And all of a sudden, from the background, we hear, "Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Cam." And we're like, "What? Oh, man, we're sorry, you know." So, uh, uh, so uh, happy birthday uh, to to Cam, uh, the great PR assistant over with the Raiders. Uh, we love you, you know that. Uh, but I have to say today. On uh, piggybacking off of that, somebody, it might have been Adam, now that I think about it, might, he was asking him, hey, there's a new scheme, there's a new cornerback room, there's a new, a lot of new things. How are you being used so far this year? It's like, oh, I'm being, I'm being used. I'm being, I'm lining up somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically that was that. It was like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever the coach uh, asks me to do type of answer. Like, huh. Huh. So next week uh, in um, minicamp, keep an eye on uh, old Nate Hobbs. Oh, okay. so oh, is this going to be um, in wrestling? We would call it. Um, it went from a work to a shoot. So is it going to be a typo that turns into a real thing just because I, people started talking about it? We talked it into existence. <laughs> yeah. uh, not safety, but I, I don't know. You know, I, I think what the the Pandora's box uh, that got opened was. Is there is there a path to Nate being one of the perimeter cornerbacks? Ooh, wouldn't mind. I mean, because he talked about Lovey Smith today, and not 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 like oh, you know how he was used, but just being yeah. being prepared for anything. Right. And coming from an NFL coach, you know, Lovey Smith was at Illinois for a couple of years, but he, he was played outside. Coach. He was his head coach at Illinois, but he played outside. He did is the play point outside. I'm trying to make him going exactly. to slot last season was the fish out of water. I got to learn something new. Right. I do think that. Um, I have a feeling this is what I'm this is what I'm deducting, Demond. Right, Dr. Uh, Holmes? Yes, exactly. This is what I'm deducting. I'm deducting that there might be some packages for Nate Hobbs to um showcase some of his skills. Uh maybe as a pass rusher. You know? Uh maybe putting him uh, at various uh vantage points on the field, um levels of the field to take advantage of what I think is a player that sees the game in a very veteran way and has the skill set to go uh, execute. But, you know, vision and seeing things on the football field is hugely important. It's not just always carrying out your assignment, even though you want to be the guy that carries out your assignment. You don't want to freelance too much. But every once in a while, somebody has to go make a football play. And I don't know if not everybody has that kind of skill set. What you're describing to me almost sounds like how Teron Matthew was used in ah. LSU, also in those early days in Arizona. Right. Or just, hey man, you're gonna line up a little. You're gonna be the slot guy. You're gonna line up outside. Could be. You might even be. You might even line up at safety a little bit. Back when he was just a premier athlete, right. And was able just a jack of all trades. You don't know where he's gonna line up at. That's scary. that's a scary thing to think about. Demond Cotton, did we just fall onto something here? Do you think? I think we did. I think we did. This too. could be one of those. If he lines up on the outside, like in week seven, right? We called it back on June second. I'm I'm being serious, and I and I and maybe not. I don't. You know, we're not we're not uh, in Patrick Graham's head and uh, in the film room and uh, you know drawing up plays. But it, I feel like anyway, I feel like uh, a guy like Nate Hobbs is the kind of guy you can use that way because he is a football player. And and I know I told this story before, but uh, I think we were in Indianapolis. Might have been the owners' meetings, but either way. Uh, I ran into Lovey Smith. He just happened to be all by himself, uh, like in a hallway or just waiting on somebody. And I said, hey, coach, you know, uh, introduce myself. And uh, hey, how you doing? Da, da, da. I go, look, I got to tell you, um, Nate Hobbs, you know, was, when I, as soon as I said Nate Hobbs, 
Lovey Smith. I mean, his smile was, I think we were in Indianapolis. It stretched all the way from Indianapolis to Las Vegas. That's how wide of a smile he got as soon as he heard the name Nate Hubbs. And I told him, I go, you know, Coach, he gives you so much credit. And he just, he's like, I could sit here and talk all day about Nate Hubbs. This is Lovey Smith, a Super Bowl coach, one of the great defensive minds um, that's come around in a long time, the head coach of the Houston Texans, been there, done that. He's he's a man of, uh, you know, you he's like he's like impeccable. And for him to like the way he reacted, Damon, when I mentioned Nate Hobbs' name, it was it was a it was a huge compliment to Nate Hobbs. I mean, can you imagine? I couldn't imagine because I've never been that good for someone to brag about me. About anything like that. <laughs> let alone, <laughs> let alone a Lovey Smith, right? Yeah, exactly, a coach that's got oh my god, back from Tampa to Chicago. And then it's just like this guy, he's one of those coaches, he's got the resume that speaks for itself. Right, definitely. I mean, down there in Houston, I do expect them to be a little bit better this season. I don't know how much better, but I expect it could be one of those teams like, hey, they still only won four games. But, hey, man, he got the most out of that team. I, we were, weren't we just talking about this the other day? Um, I, we were talking about coaches who talk about, hey, what's the best coaching job you ever did? Uh, yeah, I remember this conversation. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, and sometimes it's not the Super Bowl guy or the NBA championship guy. Mike Dunleavy, uh, the former NBA coach, who coached some pretty darn good teams. He was the coach of the Portland Trailblazers when they went seven games with the Lakers. He took, he took the Lakers one year to the NBA Finals uh, against Michael Jordan. Uh, and I just randomly asked him that question one day, and it was like, oh, man. And he mentioned like this kind of okay Milwaukee Bucks team that he had like in the mid-'90s or whatever it was. I think it must have been the mid-'90s. He's like, I go, wow, well, I don't even remember that. He goes, yeah, we won like 33 games. He goes, but that was like the ceiling of that team. We got as much out of that team as we possibly could. And sometimes there's something to be said about that. We always look – at the record, and there's, you know, uh, obviously it's a it's a results-oriented business. But sometimes you get what you, you know, whatever it is that you have, your job as a coach is to get the most out of that team or as whatever that ceiling is, get uh, get that out of that team. And, and it was cool to hear him say, yeah, it wasn't statistically we weren't all that good. You know, record-wise we weren't all that good. But I know in my heart that we got everything that we could out of that group uh, of players. So uh, pretty cool to uh, to hear that. Just the realistic approach, you know, that, that sometimes coaches have. And I, I'll say this, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. I, I think that if you talk to Raiders players, like remember we were talking about yesterday, a couple of years ago, the expectations within the building, within the locker room, probably wasn't as high. And so you let things, I'm not saying you let things slide, but... It wasn't as um, critical that you get everything right because if best you're case up scenario, two three years ago, if you mess up in May, you're not running the way they were yesterday, right? Because the expectations weren't that high. Now, now I think that the way the Raiders themselves, the players, are looking at themselves, it they they're doing so with elevated expectations, and they are going to hold themselves to that standard. It's not just saying it, it's believing it. And I really believe the Raiders do believe that. And it helps when you add guys like Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams to the scene. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We are live at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio here in Las Vegas, just minutes away uh, from game one of the NBA Finals. I'd love to say that. Um, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What I like uh, about the group that we have is that everyone wants to learn. And uh, there, there isn't any players that are saying, oh, I got this or oh, I did this before. Everyone's like, hey, you know, what, what's that? Or, hey, can you do that again? And uh, if you get a room full of guys that are like that, the sky's the limit. And like I said, I'm not here to make guarantees, but that, that's, very, that's a very good thing to have on a team. Uh, and that just shows uh, that everyone loves football. You want to get better. You want to work on your craft. So uh, we have a room or a team full of guys that want to learn, and we have coaches that want to coach. So um, it's fun. It's fun every day. Get used to that name. I'll tell you that right now. Chandler Jones. And I can hear the Rochester, New York accent, by the way. Um, Mr. Jones is from upstate New York. When you're from New York, well, at wherever you are, wherever wherever you live, there's pride. But, man, there, there's something to be said about yeah, I'm from New York. And there's a difference. There's upstate New York. There's downstate. There's obviously Manhattan. Uh, there's a Long Island. There's there's a lot of different parts of New York. But when you're a New Yorker, you're a New Yorker. Um, and it's New York City and not New York City to me. What's that? It's New York City and not New York City to me. <laughs> well, yeah. Have you been to? Well, nope. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's 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 People do think of New York and they think of New York City. Um, and they have like this image of that. And oftentimes it's not good. But then I've, I've taken friends. I had a friend that was a staunch, oh, I hate New York. And then he ended up loving New York because it's way, I mean, when you, once you get out outside of New York City and you go to Long Island, it's a very beautiful place. It's green, it's lush, it's on the water. Um, there's some really beautiful parts of Long Island. And you, same thing up north. Uh, when you go up to uh, now, the winters, that's a whole other uh, issue. And um, I don't miss that at all. Uh, but um, but I'm, it's interesting, Devon, uh, listening to to, uh, to Chandler Jones talk. You know, you, when when you, when again, when you don't cover somebody on a consistent basis, you're really just you see him play, um, and 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 that's that. Maybe you see a snippet here or a snippet there. Uh, but it's 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 really cool when somebody of that stature, from a playing perspective, and there's been nobody better in terms of rushing the passer. Since 2012, his first year, then Chandler Jones. He is literally uh, the leader in sacks since that time. So he's really good at what he does. There's no question about it. But then you get to to, to hear him talk and get to know him a little bit and uh, hear his insights. And uh, and you can see why you, there's, there's reasons why guys like that last as long as they do. It's not just the physical. It's who they are as people, Devon. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, because... It's all. It's, oh my God! Like when Willie asked him, you know, about being so humble. Like how much did his his was it Orchard Park? Yeah. Uh, well, Orchard Park is Buffalo. There's there's so, Orchard Park. But I mean, like Park. just like that's where he's from, or that that part he's of the city. He's from Rochester. Yeah. Oh, Rochester. Or yeah. It's up, the, it's up. It's up. It's up there. Where he's from in the city, but the point where Willie's like asking him that question, just about like those humble beginnings. Yes. I do think that that plays a factor into it because all of these guys. We hear it all the time. You're the elite of the elite. Oh, yeah. You're the one. You're the one percent. So even to make it to the NFL, even if you're there for two or three years, you have a cup of coffee, as some people would say, just to be there. That already means that you're the elite physically. You're on a different level than most normal people. Right. And it's just that those intangibles. Like I'm not saying <laughs> it's just those intangibles that set you apart, and that's what makes you an all-time great. That's what makes you a guy that a hundred, uh, no, a hundred sacks in ten plus years. Those are the things that separate 107 you. and a half. By 107 the way. and a half sacks. <laughs> you mean he was like, I don't know. Yeah. 
Because yeah. even Coach O mentioned, like, hey, man, I don't, I didn't have that many sacks in my career. Right. Because you got the defensive line coach giving him the credit of, hey, this guy's different. He's good. But it's not just those physical traits that make him so good. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I completely uh, agree. I always, that's, that's when you know, you're talking about, when you talk about a guy like Chandler Jones, it's so interesting when you get to the professional sports level. Um, because you see, even in a professional world where you're talking about that top 1%, of that top 1%, there's still a top percent of that top percent. You know what I'm saying? Like of the 100% of the 1%, there's still an upper echelon of that 1%. Um, yet, yet, and I always kind of, you know, uh, try to, try to you know, when, you, when you're talking to a young reporter and sometimes a young reporter or even a fan, let's say, uh, will, will look at somebody's name and they haven't seen him. They don't know him. Oh, he went to this college or was, was a, you know, undrafted free agent or whatever. And they just sort of automatically write them off because, you know, they weren't a first round pick or they weren't playing at, you know, Clemson or Alabama. Uh, but they're on an NFL roster and, you know, and then all of a sudden you see they see him and they're like, wow, this guy's pretty. I'm like, yes. All of these guys are really good. Let's. There's not bad uh, in any of these guys. It's just so it gets to this level, just like any other level, where the guys that are better separate themselves from the pack. And then there's guys that separate themselves uh, in a Hall of Fame sense or a Pro Bowl sense or an All-Pro sense from the the level right below that, uh, but all of them are great. It's just that some are greater than others and way better than others. And Chandler Jones uh, is 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 one of those dudes that's just one of those dudes. And uh, it's I, I feel like winning football games, winning games, winning championships. We're going to watch the um, you know the the Warriors against the Boston Celtics. And the more I think about this series, the more I really believe that the Celtics have a shot in this series. They have a shot, but when it comes to like they are so inexperienced. No player on this team has ever played in the finals game. Yeah, that's I and mean, it's one of those things. Like I don't know. Do the like does the stage? They are favored. People expect them to win. It wouldn't be that big of an underdog wait, story when it comes to talent. Oh, uh, who's favored to win? The Celtics are. Are they really? Yeah. I should have I should have had a props guy on to talk oh, to you about. Wow. It. I did not know that. I'm just I've been just assuming this whole time. Oh no no no, Celtics That's are insane. Celtics There's are a reason favorites. why. Yeah, be, I do think that on paper, if you just go player by player, if you match up, let's say the ten players that are going to have right. minutes, right, you would say like, hey, you'd probably be six to four Celtics. Like if you just go up to ten players that are going to be playing in rotation wise, right. Celtics are winning that matchup. You know more 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 than not. Wow. When it comes to the players that are playing on this on in these finals. But like I said, the experience of no team, no player on the Celtics team has any finals experience. When you're on that big stage, I want to see, is that going to change the thing? Jalen Brown, he's had the handle issue all playoffs. Is he just going to develop butterfingers in the finals? <laughs> right. It's, you just don't know. But you don't. You know what that experience That's why I think the Warriors are going to win because I do think that that experience, like, hey, they've been on this stage before. Play- I wonder... Did, when the, well, sorry about that. When the uh, the Warriors won their first time in the finals, right? They 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 won their first trip to the finals, and I'm look, I'm I'm just mentally thinking about that team: Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Neither of those guys had uh, Draymond Green. Um, trying to trying to figure out if anyone on that team had previous finals uh, experience before winning that championship. Um, certainly not their top guys. The the guys that were. Um, you know the the leaders of that team, Ingu- uh, Andre Iguodala did not have championship game experience. I don't believe. No, he wasn't on a team that that played in the the, the NBA Finals. Uh, there might have been some role players, I guess. Um, I, I I have to look at that that whole roster, but I don't think that if if you happen to see it, throw some names out there, and I could I could. Pre- uh, 
say whether or not they did, especially of the guys that played big minutes. So, you know, everybody started at that point at some point. That's the, that's the other, that's the beauty of sports is that um, everyone was in that position at some point. And the Warriors were able to, to handle it and win a championship. They were just such a good team and still are. Um, but I didn't realize that, man. I really thought and have just been assuming that the Warriors with home field advantage, home court advantage, and that championship pedigree um, would be the favorites. But the more I think about it and the read about it and watch the Celtics, there's some, there's a grittiness about them. There's a cohesiveness about them. I love the coach. Um, and I think this player is spectacular, Jason Tatum. We're watching on the uh, on 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 the on television right now. So what do you what are your thoughts? Who wins tonight? Oh, tonight, game one, the Warriors are undefeated at home this postseason. I'm going with the Warriors. There's going to be some Celtic fans there. I know that for a fact because the the green is everywhere. They're just one of those brands, one of those teams. And you're in California, and a lot of people move to California. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of Boston people that have made that trip uh, to Boston. By the way, I didn't know that uh, the, the the coach's wife is... Um, Neil Long. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows who Neil Long is. Of course. So... <laughs> He may winning on and off the court, you know, that's all. As it should be. So, um, yeah, so uh, so we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics win tonight. I just have a gut feeling about that, although the Warriors might run them off the court. We shall see. We'll know tomorrow uh, when we're back here at 4 o'clock from 4 to 6 p.m. here at the uh, uh, Finley Cadillac Performance Studio in the huddle, which is brought to you by Tequila Embajador and run on, obviously heard on uh, AM uh, 920 here in Las Vegas, Raider Nation Radio. I want to say thanks to Sam Gordon, our great guest. Thanks to DeMond Cotton. Uh, Thank you to all the listeners, uh, all of the support. We truly appreciate it. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Vegas.